And uh, before the morning offering, I'll be reading the scripture for the message this morning. And just a reminder and some context, uh, the sermon series we're in is about the life and struggles of Simon Peter. The title of the series is Failing Forward. Uh, As we learn about Simon Peter's struggles last Sunday, uh, the bitter experience of him denying Jesus three times. And now this morning we're going to read about uh, the first encounter between Simon Peter and the risen Christ after that horrendous evening. I want to encourage you, uh, if you've had to miss uh, some of the Sundays, all of the sermons are online. It helps with a sense of continuity, uh, how it all hangs together. The, the life and uh, struggles of Simon Peter are so very teachable for all of us, so very instructive. So I want to encourage you to go online, maybe listen to the sermon or read uh, off the manuscript that's all on the church's webpage, so that together we can move through these important uh, sessions together and grow in Christ and learn more about what it means to follow Christ. All right, from the message, John's Gospel, chapter 21, beginning in verse 9. When they got out of the boat, they saw a fire laid with fish and bread cooking on it. Jesus said, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. Simon Peter joined them and pulled the net to shore, 153 big fish. And even with all those fish, the net didn't rip. Jesus said, breakfast is ready. Not one of his disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the master. Jesus then took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had shown himself alive to the disciples since being raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, master, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He then asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, master, you know I love you. Jesus said, shepherd my sheep. Then he said it a third time, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was upset that he'd asked for a third time, do you love me? So he answered, Master, you know everything there is to know. You've got to know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I'm telling you the very truth now. When you were young, you dressed yourself, went wherever you wished. But when you get old... You'll have to stretch out your hands while someone else dresses you and takes you where you don't want to go. He said this to hint at the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he commanded, follow me. Turning his head, Peter noticed the disciple Jesus loved following right behind. When Peter noticed him, he asked Jesus, Master, what's going to happen to him? Jesus said, if I want him to live until I come again, What's that to you? You follow me. That's how the rumor got out among the brothers that this disciple wouldn't die. But that's not what Jesus said. He simply said, if I want him to live until I come again, what's that to you? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Like Simon Peter, when we follow Jesus, we stumble. We sometimes fall. And like Simon Peter, we are to, when we fall, 
fall forward. When we fail, we're to fail forward. Because in the failure, there is instruction, there's growth, there are bitter lessons we can learn. And that's what makes Simon Peter's life so, so helpful to us. Because we're all going to mess up. I think, I think the, the thing we need to acknowledge is this the, just the honesty of Scripture, the honesty of our own lives to say, we are going to mess up in following Jesus. Uh, here's a shock for you. God is not surprised when we mess up. There are no emergency meetings in heaven when we mess up and God doesn't go, oh my goodness, I had no idea this was going to happen. I found this quote, I saw it on, on Facebook, and I, and I love it because it, it says so beautifully, when God puts a call on your life, he already has factored in your stupidity. I, I would attribute the source for that, but I, there, there wasn't any source uh, at the bottom of it. But I love that, don't you? When God puts a call on your life, he already factored in your stupidity. He, that's all factored into the package. God still loves you. God still loves me. He's not surprised by our mess-ups. He wants us to learn. He wants us to grow. When we fail, he wants us to fail forward. All of that stupid stuff is factored in. Now, the Apostle Peter, Simon Peter, uh, is meeting Jesus in the scripture we read this morning for the first time after Jesus has been raised from the dead. For the first time since that bitter night experience when he denied Jesus three times, Simon Peter is out fishing, Jesus is on the shore, Jesus is cooking breakfast, and the new RSV translation says that Jesus was cooking fish and bread over a charcoal fire. Does anybody remember what we talked about last Sunday from John the 18th chapter when Jesus was being tried inside the high priest's palace Simon Peter, who was outside in the courtyard denying Jesus three times, was trying to warm himself by a charcoal fire. John, the gospel writer, loves bookends. It's a very literary gospel. It's very artistically put together, and he loves bookends. Charcoal fire when Peter denied Jesus. Charcoal fire when Jesus will finally confront Simon Peter about that. And don't you know that when Simon Peter looked at that charcoal fire, immediately there was a stab in his heart? Immediately there was some pain in his life as he thought about that night not very long ago when he had denied even knowing Jesus. And I may be the only one who thinks this, but I'm pretty sure that morning as Jesus was fixing breakfast and they were having all these fish fried up, um, I kind of think that Simon Peter had a little trouble getting his breakfast down. I'm thinking that he was very uncomfortable around Jesus. He did not know what Jesus' reaction was going to be. He was ashamed, he, embarrassed, he was embarrassed. All of a sudden, all the food probably stopped right there. And uh, the only analogy I could think of that would really work is let's... It would be similar to uh, you going out uh, for an evening with your friends, borrowing dad's car, and you dent the fender, and then you miss curfew. And uh, the next morning at breakfast, there's just this stony silence all during breakfast. And you just, you just wish your parents would say something about the dented fender or about the breaking curfew. And your food just stops here, and nothing is said, and then the the plates are cleared away, and then your parents sort of put their elbows on the table, and they say one word, now. 
now. And you know what's coming, the conversation, right? So Simon Peter sort of gulps, and Jesus begins. What an interesting start. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he asked, Jesus, he asked Peter three times, do you love me? And why is it he asked Simon Peter three times, do you love me? Class, I can't hear you. Because he denied Jesus three times. And Simon Peter knew what these questions were about. And he knew why they were three times offered. Now, think about it. What an interesting question. Some of us have read this Bible story or heard it so long that we're no longer surprised by the question Jesus asked. There are so many other questions Jesus could have asked instead of, do you love me? I mean, for those of us who are parents, the logical question would be, what were you thinking? Right? You ever tried that with your kids? And the answer is usually, I wasn't. Or we might ask, Simon Peter, do you realize how badly that hurt me? Or Simon Peter, do you realize how that hurt the witness of Jesus Christ uh, in, in the community and among the people? But one simple penetrating question that sort of wraps up all the other questions inside of it, a simple, powerful question that goes deep, do you love me? Sort of says it all. Uh, Augustine, the great church father who was born in the fourth century, once wrote, uh, if you want to know if someone is a good person, you don't ask what that person believes. You don't ask what that person hopes for. If you want to know if someone is a good person, you ask what that person loves. And if you can find out what that person loves, you're going to answer the question, are you a good person? Now, Bible scholars have loved through the years to bat around the question uh, that Jesus asked that first time, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Bible scholars like to debate and study, what does more than these mean? Was Jesus asking Simon Peter, son of John, do you love me more than these earthly possessions? Do you love me more than, than all these fish and this way of life that you lived before I called you to follow me these three years? Or was Jesus asking him, Simon Peter, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? And the beauty of Scripture and the beauty of John's beautiful portrait painting here is that like good art, you can bring to it your own meaning. You can, you can answer that question either way. It could be answered either way, depending on what's going on in your life. I personally tend to believe that it was the latter, that Jesus was asking, do you, love, do you really think you love me more than the other disciples love me? And I base that on the fact that we've learned that Simon Peter was very competitive. Uh, he loved to always be first, to show other people up. Uh, remember when he said the night before Jesus was arrested uh, that evening, others may forsake you, but I'll never forsake you. He loved to compare himself to others. He loved to, to compete. He loved to sort of put others down and judge them because he felt superior. And 
I don't know if you remember this, but in John, the 20th chapter, in the story of Easter morning, when Simon Peter and another disciple find out that the tomb is empty, they start running, and Scripture explicitly says Simon Peter worked hard at outrunning the other disciples so that he, Simon Peter, could be the first one to the tomb. You talk about competitive. So he's so competitive. Hey, others may forsake you, but I never will. Can you imagine how deeply this question goes into his heart? Simon, son of John, do you really think you love me more than these? And if you note the answer three times, Simon Peter left off that last phrase. You know, Lord, that I love you. But he stopped right there. He no longer claimed that he loved Jesus more than the others did. He was, at least for the time being, giving up pride, his huge ego, his need to be first, his need to be best, uh, always comparing himself to others. He finally gave up judging others. He finally gave up only feeling good about himself when he was feeling bad about others. Does that sound like anybody you know? The only time we feel good about ourselves is when we're feeling bad and putting down others. That competition, that comparison, that judging. Simon Peter, in humility, just gave it up and said, Lord, you know I love you. I'm, I'm no longer going to claim that I love you more than other people do. And in those moments, Jesus gave to Simon Peter what he gives to us, two beautiful gifts, not rights, not entitlements, but gifts, forgiveness and restoration, forgiveness and a new job. A recommissioning. It's not automatic. We don't deserve them. But out of mercy and grace and the goodness of God's heart, God says, even when you fail, you fail forward. Even when you mess up, you're going to learn from it. I'm going to use you again. I forgive you and I have a new job for you. It's what he said to Simon Peter. It's what he says to us. But I have this theory that some of us refuse to start serving Jesus again after we've stumbled. Some of us back away from new opportunities of service when we have fallen. We do that not so much out of shame or guilt. Maybe we do it out of laziness. Maybe it's just easier to hide behind our failure than to get up and start working again. We say, oh, you know, I've just done so many things wrong. I, I'm just so out of step with the Lord. I don't think there's anything left I can do. Sometimes that's just laziness. We hide behind our failure. Jesus said, do you love me? Simon Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I do. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Feed my flock. There's a job for you. Our church is currently needing more Stephen ministers. Stephen ministry is a, is a program where uh, someone, a, a layperson in the church is trained uh, in listening and caring and walking alongside someone and then you're assigned a person uh, with whom you walk for a, a season of life, a short period, a few months, maybe a year, as that person is going through a dark valley or a difficulty. We need more Stephen ministers. Our church needs more bus drivers. We just are always running out of people who are available to serve and to work in that way. 
We always need people working in preschool and children's area to, to make those good teaching and role modeling and relationship connections with preschoolers and children. We need people to step up and take their turn. We need more help in our community ministry as we try to penetrate this community with Christ's love. There are just any number of things. Do you love me? Tend the flock. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. Now I want you to take that a step further and I want you to think with me about the deep connection that there is between the quality of our love for Jesus and the quality of our service to others. There's a deep and mysterious connection. Do you love me? Feed my lambs. See, if the quality of our love for Jesus is poor, then the quality of our service will be poor. If we love Jesus in a selfish and half-hearted way, then our service will be selfish and half-hearted. There's a deep connection, and I'm saying this to warn and to encourage that if we do not... Well, let me say it this way. Unless we keep falling in love with Jesus over and over again, our service will not be sustained. Because our service must be nourished by a deep, passionate love for Jesus. We all start out that way when we first come to Christ. We're excited. We love him so much. We start doing things, but slowly, without even realizing it, we start serving for service's sake. We start serving because other people are watching. We start serving because we should. And we've cut ourselves off from the root system, the nourishment of that service, which is a deep love for Jesus. The quality of our love for Jesus will always be connected to the quality of service that we offer others. And I love this quote by Peter Scazzaro, who wrote that book that impacted so many of us, The Emotionally Healthy Church. Leadership in the church can do violence to the soul. What brutal honesty. Leadership in the church can do violence to the soul. The endless needs that routinely hurtle toward us can leave us exhausted and irritable. Who has time to enjoy Jesus? In fact, who has time to enjoy life? We're just so busy serving. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. The deep connection between loving him and serving others. And just when you thought Simon Peter wasn't going to fall forward anymore, that he's finally got this thing down pat, that he's done with competition, that he's done with comparisons, that his ego's finally in check. (laughs) He starts talking again. And uh, Jesus said to him that third time, he said, now, Simon Peter, you need to know some rough days are ahead. Uh, There's a day coming when you are going to go where you don't want to go. And uh, Jesus was hinting at the way Simon Peter would die and glorify God. Tradition has it that Simon Peter died a martyr for Christ, that he was crucified. He did not believe that he was worthy to die the way Jesus died, so he requested that he be crucified upside down. But at this moment, Jesus is warning him, I just want you to know some tough days are ahead. And so Simon Peter immediately switches into the mode of comparison 
and competition and, and, uh, and, and his ego needs. And he points at that disciple whom he had raised to the tomb Easter morning. He said, well, what about him? Don't you love it? Well, what about him? That's not fair. What about him? And you know what Jesus said to him? None of your business. You take care of you. Twice, Jesus says, you follow me. The Greek is emphatic. It's not follow me, it's you. Follow me. You let that disciple take care of business on his own. And basically, Jesus was saying, Simon Peter, you are hereby released of all responsibility for running anybody else's life. And Simon Peter, what's more, you're released from responsibility from running your own life. Just take care of business. What's that to you? Follow me. Because deep down, what happens is that when when we cannot accept the weaknesses in our own life, we have a lot of trouble accepting the weaknesses of others. That's precisely why Simon Peter had to go through this brutal experience, this, this difficult, painful confrontation before restoration. He had to come to realize he has to accept his own humanity, his own weaknesses, his own failures, because until we can accept the weaknesses of others, we're going to be constantly judging. And we're never going to be able to release ourselves from that till we can accept our own weaknesses. When we deal with honestly with our own pain and the falling and failing forward, then we can release everyone else from being judged by us. We can let that go and let Jesus take care of it. We follow, but we fail. We follow, but when we fail, we fail forward. This is the way grace works. This is the way God works.